competitive with sports and stuff like that, but I never stretched, I never warmed down, I never sitting cross-legged was still something that, not necessarily that I struggle with, but I have limitations in that kind of, that area, without a doubt. That's Brian Malone, and this is episode six of the Yoga Life podcast with me, Kevin Boyle. Hello everyone and welcome back. Today I have with me Brian Malone, another in-house studio guest. Brian is a yoga teacher at the Yoga Hub. He also teaches on the teacher training. Uh, Brian's areas of expertise are handstands, pranayama, uh, breathing, which he's trained under Wim Hof. And um, yeah, he has a, an interesting approach to his yoga, uh, one that's very accessible for all levels. And uh he also has quite a silky voice, which I'm sure you'll enjoy. All right, Brian. How are you doing, Kev? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm very well, very well. Yeah. Thanks for coming. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Brian, where do we start? Um, how do you start yoga? So, I started yoga when I was living over in uh, Australia. Mm. And it was just completely by chance. I was moved into a new house. I was in Brisbane at the time. And uh, moved into a new house and just happened to be like right around the corner from a yoga studio. Mm -hmm. So I've always kind of been into like, you know, keeping fit. It was very sporty as a kid and stuff like that. But I've never been into the gym. It was just, I don't know, going to the gym and doing, going through a program and stuff like that. It was just never, never really captivated me in any way. So... Uh, when I was over there I was just looking for different things to keep me fit playing a bit of football going for a few runs and stuff so went down to try a few classes with my older sister who lived there at the time as well and just something about it just, just clicked with me mm. uh, I'm never too sure exactly what that was but because I was terrible like if you imagine the, <laughs> the stiffest disconnected like I was worse than that Yeah. Uh, even like the concept of touching your toes was like alien to me but but I remember after one of the first classes that we went to walking home with my sister she lived in the area as well and just saying to her, I think I'm going to do this like for the rest of my life yeah not you know but just to practice yeah like, I think this is going to be something I'm going to do forever there was just something about it just kind of yeah clicked mm. and stuck I just kept going. How, how long ago was that would be coming up to six years ago now yeah five six years yeah, yeah, yeah. and what, what style of class was it it was uh, like flow practice. Mm -hmm. And I always think I was very, very lucky that just in that studio that I went to, Ten Toes Yoga, which isn't there anymore. But um, there was two American teachers who had been, they were traveling in Australia as well, so they were teaching at the time. And they were just genuinely amazing. Amazing people, amazing teachers, uh, like real teachers, I would consider. You know, like they, they were knowledgeable and caring and and uh, patient which they kind of needed to be it was a lot of like newer people in the studio and stuff like that and they did beginners focus classes they did slower paced classes mm -hmm. and Trevor and Amanda yeah I always sometimes wonder if I if it hadn't have been for them if they hadn't have been at that studio would I have taken to it quite as much as I did but I just I loved their classes I loved their practice and I learned so much and still as a teacher now, there's things that I learned in those first few months of practicing mm. that I still use in my classes. Wow. Uh, they were they were amazing. Yeah, really, really good. So where did the whole, because you're, you're kind of known for your handstands, where did that all come from? That came, uh, for a long time, I was actually resistant to handstands. Uh, this was my first interest in the physical side of yoga was flexibility. Yeah. Um, and handstands to me, I always thought of them as like hipster yoga. <laughs> I, I didn't understand the big deal. Uh, I thought it was like very visually focused and stuff like that, which they are in a way. But so when I started working at the yoga hub, I don't think I'd started teaching that yet. Katie Coldrick, who is yeah. one of my favorite teachers, like really, really amazing, and she was teaching handstand workshops, and she was saying, "John, just just come and and see what you think," mm. and started practicing them, not particularly consistently, and even then wasn't like super obsessed with them mm -hmm. I had a friend who didn't do yoga but he was kind of into handstands so we'd kind of mess about together and stuff like that and then 
I think it was when I started to kind of understand them that they became there's just something about handstands that I find that when you kind of work towards it it's this weird sort of I just find them sometimes scientific in a way because you can sort of feel the force of gravity a little bit more you can kind of really feel that kind of connection that's trying to draw you down yeah. and you're aligning your body in this way that you shouldn't really be able to balance but you can <laughs> yeah. and there's these moments where it feels weightless it feels effortless Yeah. and that to me I just that, that's almost like a form of meditation for me that moment of just interplay and there's some movements and you're adjusting and you're mentally figuring out but there's a focus mm. that I find really really calming really therapeutic mm -hmm. we we're going to a workshop with Dylan Werner one time and he was he was talking about handstands and the shapes and he was like ideally I would love to be able to train people to get to a stage with handstands where they just close their eyes and it's not about the image it's not about the shape it's just mm -hmm. your eyes are closed and you're in this position yeah and it's something i love to do in regular classes just get people in the pose close the eyes mm -hmm. focus on how it feels more so than how it looks and i think handstands can be a beautiful a beautiful intersection of that mm -hmm. it's just there's just there's something about it i find really really yeah centering almost mm -hmm. I, I was listening to a um it's interesting you're, you're talking about it as, as a, a very censoring thing because and a calming thing because... Not always. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, because when you look at it, it looks so spectacular and very... Um, uh, it doesn't look very, like it should be very calming. Mm -hmm. But I know what you mean about... It's almost like if you try and force it, because I'm, I'm quite, I can be quite impatient with myself. And for example, I went to the park this morning and I was an hour and a half practicing handstands. And you know, it's it's, it's it can be a frustrating journey oh, to do, sure. and it's almost like you want the end goal, mm. and you're not you have to uh, you want to skip the process almost yeah. just to get that that line. Um, I wonder. It seems to be so popular when there's handstand workshops. People are always want to attend, and people are always asking about handstands. And on Instagram, it looks very spectacular. Um, but I was listening to Jason Crandall on, on his podcast, and he said that. Um, most people will never do a handstand and the ones that do it takes them like five years five years of training what what do you think is the biggest challenge that people face in that journey the the, the first thing i try to teach people anyways is just to f let it become more of an organic process mm. like you're saying like people will chase this shape and this line and i think obviously I can't say for sure because I'm not in their body but even when you see these highest level handstanding people and they look still and they could look like they hold it forever mm. there's still movements and adjustments and, and and I think to get comfortable with that is one of the biggest things mm. a lot of people feel like when they start to move towards a handstand that there's a small shift or a wiggle or that that's it, it's over and mm. you're just going to fall yeah. and I think you can play with the balance in a lot of ways and let it be more of a fluid process mm -hmm. and if you eventually get to that straight line awesome but mm. to let it be fluid and organic to get there mm. it's one of the things that i really don't like and I, I see benefits of teaching this way but i also see negatives to it where you will go to a handstand workshop yeah. and there'll be about four people standing around one person all holding different body parts <laughs> just to get them into this shape of a handstand yeah and then they might for a second like let go and be like, oh, 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 oh she's falling grab her again yeah and i don't i don't think that's the way to learn i think yeah. the way to learn is practice is the biggest thing you have to practice consistently yeah but to let it be organic let it be get comfortable being on your hands get comfortable upside down get comfortable with the movements yeah. And for me, handstanding, I've learned so much about my body through learning how to handstand. Mm. Even outside of a handstand shape, I've learned so much about my hands, my shoulders, my core, my legs, my balance. And to look at it as a learning process, I think is is a really good thing. Mm. But Paddy, I think he's got a shout out on your podcast yeah, before. Paddy, yeah, <laughs> a regular Double feature, shout out. A regular feature, aside from Paddy. Because <laughs> uh, he's, he's a phenomenal handstander as well. Yeah, he's he like truly amazing. Yeah. But uh, he's our Irish Patrick Beach. Yeah. yeah he's, he really <laughs> he is. Really, the way really he presses good. up into them is mm. phenomenal. Yeah. But he's, I remember talking to him about it before, and he says the, sh the struggle about it is to, 
to teach handstands that people are like oh I want to learn how to handstand and he's like well are you prepared to like do drills you know every single day which yeah. might not feel like a yoga practice or might not feel that to like you know and if you're not then you might not ever handstand mm -hmm. like if you're going to just throw yourself up against the wall yeah. every now and again it's not really going to happen but yeah but i think it, I, I really do think it's such a, an amazing thing to learn how to do yeah uh, like if anybody listening feels put off by the prospect of consistent practice yeah it's it is an amazing process to do that consistent practice mm -hmm. it's frustrating like i've kicked a few walls in frustration at like not being able to understand why i couldn't you know it's, it's not a straight line it's there's days that are worse than others mm -hmm. and it can be frustrating but it's i really do think it's a beneficial thing yeah uh, it's a yeah, it's a lovely process yeah yeah and i think um it's funny what you say about someone like say paddy and he's like i would regard as intellectual um he has a very philosophical mindset i mean he yeah. studied philosophy and um and i think in order to work through the process of handstanding you it's it's so much mindset it really is compared to uh, a lot of other yoga postures and one thing it really teaches i find is is courage because obviously there's a huge element of fear and so there's that it's that play of having a bit of courage to do something that has an element of danger and also it's very childlike as well i mean you'll see if you were walking down the street and you've seen a six-year-old or a seven-year-old doing a handstand you'd be like oh yeah no bother but if you've seen an adult doing it you think what, what are you doing but doing movements like that um although um it's uh you know a gymnastic movement like that it kind of brings out the, the child in you you know and that thing of you get a bit of a buzz from it and i, and I think it's really important to to, to to put across to people that maybe don't do yoga um that not all yoga is calming <laughs> not all not all, i mean i just finished my yin-teach training and yes that's very calming but even within there's parts of it where you feel maybe anger yeah. frustration and i think when you're um as a as a yoga teacher people expect you to always be calm and very tranquil um you know if you swear they're kind of surprised and this type of thing but i think part of yoga in terms of the emotional side is um experiencing all the spectrum of emotions mm. and 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 that's what I mean experiencing them as opposed to reacting to them you know like um, today for example in, in the park I was doing my handstands and it was very difficult but I just I accepted it as opposed to beating myself up about it and I think that's um, that, that's a massive you can learn a lot about yourself through that I, th I really like the idea of I don't think this has to be consigned to yoga but I think yoga is definitely a beautiful way to approach it that mm to look at the physical practice first of all we kind of like map out our bodies it is a kind of a process of mapping so you start to understand how the body works with certain movements where you hold tension where you can improve where you can soften all these sort of things and this is yeah like a mapping you start to kind of just understand your body a bit more mm -hmm. and then when you start to understand the physical body a bit more i think you definitely begin to understand the energetic body a bit more your reactions mm -hmm. where how you might push yourself in certain ways that isn't nece isn't necessary how you might be overly soft in certain ways which might not be particularly beneficial mm -hmm. and so you start to map on the energetic to the physical mm -hmm. and then that can if you wanted to take you then even deeper and yeah. i think to but always the most important thing with, with any yoga practice is to have that slight distance mm -hmm. that you're not like you said not caught up in the reactions but you can observe them mm -hmm. that you're doing something physically but you're not just so slightly observing how this physical stuff is is taking part on on a separate kind of plane if you know what i mean yeah absolutely man participatory observation that's is that like, is that it that's the word that i always come back to okay in my practice and teaching that you're participating you're doing things, the things that you do are important, but to give yourself the space to observe what it is that you're doing and how what you're doing actually makes you feel mm -hmm. beyond the physical yeah. is, uh, is uh, for me the most important thing, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that participatory observation. Mm. Well, yeah, I'm stealing that one. Yeah, I stole <laughs> it as well. I don't know where I heard it from, but yeah, I stole it as well. But it's a, it's a beautiful way to approach it, I think. Yeah. And it's, that's what, I think that's what elevates 
a handstand to, to something more. Mm. You could practice handstands as something purely physical and get a lot from that. But that process of observation just yeah, mm. can, can transform into something completely different. And you can take that off the mat as well. I mean, I used to suffer from road rage quite a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's part of me trying to work with being more patient. And, uh, you know, for example, today we're not after on, on our cycling down to uh, get my breakfast, uh, a guy cut me up and I just, it was like I was watching it happen as opposed to it happened to me. I didn't take it personal. Um, so it's, you can, you, the principles you learn on the mat or on the grass as it was today, you can yeah. take them, take them off the mat, you know? Um, but you know, in terms of the, the physical side, um, so when you, when you do a workshop and you do the marketing for it or on your Instagram, there's loads of handstands. A handstand is really spectacular, right? Yeah. It's something beautiful about it. As you said, it looks like you shouldn't be able to do it. Yeah. It's that line and, you know, and there's a, you know, the beach in the background or whatever. <laughs> but but, but and the, good, the good thing about having images like that is it, get, it brings you eyes, brings you attention. So people may be saying, oh, there's a workshop. But maybe the downside of that is people look at that and go, I can't do that. Therefore, if I go to this, I feel out of place. So one thing, um, and we had the conversation a few months ago, you know, your, your handstand is very smooth, very impressive, but you were talking about your physical limitations, mm -hmm. about your external rotation of your thigh, for example, sitting cross-legged. So how do you navigate that with students? If they're thinking you're like, can do everything, but then you find sitting cross-legged challenging, is that fair to say? Yeah, I've, oh, I yeah. no, no, I think uh, I'm, I'm not a super flexible guy. Like yeah. I said, I've been practicing maybe six years, six, yeah. six years. And again, if I was to look at yoga as a process of mapping, mm. I've, I'm having to remap from 24, 25 years of like paying no attention, not no attention, but not, not the kind of conscious attention that I'd be paying to it now. And, you know, like I, I played football and I swam and I was competitive with sports and stuff like that, but I never stretched. I never warmed down. I never, <laughs> I never paid any attention to my posture. Uh, I never got massages. I never, you know, I didn't have that kind of care of my body hmm. other than using it as something to do things with, if you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, like certain things now, like I'm, sitting cross-legged was still something that not necessarily that i struggle with but i have limitations in that kind of that area mm -hmm. without a doubt but i i with those limitations sorry bro i don't mean to interrupt you but i think one thing you said to me which you were the first you were the first person to say this to me and it was reconfirmed in my yin yeah. training by josh summers our range of movement is ultimately defined by our the shape of our bones yeah. Yeah. and I think that is that's so important for people to know it, who myself and yourself we teach yoga for a living yeah. it's our full-time job but I find sitting cross-legged really challenging yeah, yeah. you know and people when they think of yoga they think of someone sitting in a lotus pose you know uh, effortlessly with a flat flat spine um so yeah do you, would you like to expand on that about the bones well, and how you learn about that yeah well I similar thing from doing a in training and from uh certain other people that have been kind of listening to at that time that you know your bones develop your bones develop well, certain things can be like genetic you will be born a certain way yeah but as you grow up your bones and your body will develop in relation to what you ask it to do if you are a dancer from the age of three upwards if you're a gymnast from the age of three upwards you will develop a bone structure more than likely not necessarily but more than likely that will lend itself to a wide range of movement mm -hmm. if like me from the age of four upwards i played football i swam a lot of linear movements mm -hmm. they're not going to lend itself to at 26 years old being able to sit in lotus pose but after doing a few weeks of lotus it's just not going to happen yeah um i feel myself opening up a lot more particularly in the last year or so but i don't expect to ever sit in lotus pose. I don't know if I ever want to either, to be honest. Yeah, I know that's uh, so important, yeah. I've listened to so many older yoga teachers with knee problems and hip problems and mm -hmm. ankle problems from sitting in a pose like lotus for a long amount of time. Yeah. Uh, 
I sort of feel like sometimes my limitations have been a small blessing mm -hmm. that uh, I, I'm not able to pull my body into mad shapes mm -hmm. so I don't have to deal with the disadvantages of pulling my body into mad shapes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but in terms of how, how to approach that in a, from a teaching perspective, mm -hmm. sometimes I feel as a teacher your hands can be tied because I feel a lot of times a student on their own process of mapping their body has to kind of learn things on their own mm -hmm. not in the sense of that you can't give them really good tips and uh, alignment cues advice but they kind of have to also learn it through their own practice mm -hmm. through their own kind of self awareness and focus mm -hmm. and it's one of the things that I think you could have the most amazing teachers in the whole world but if you're not willing to take that introspective journey yourself mm. you're gonna i don't know that's be that kind of two sides to the coin so yeah. i take responsibility essentially for your take own practice responsibility well yeah. not even responsibility is in a like you know I'm not gonna <laughs> to, to wash my <laughs> hands yourself yourself <laughs> maybe but um <laughs> but to, i i think as a teacher it's really important not to get overly caught up in i want this person to feel exactly what i feel and to know exactly what i know mm -hmm. and more be well guide them along the path as best you can yeah. from what you know but to, to give them the space to figure it out themselves as well yeah uh, which I think is really important because yeah. um, I know myself in my in my first few years of practicing yoga if someone had this you know oh listen to your body it doesn't matter if you can't do these things I didn't even really know what listening to my body was yeah. at that time and uh, and it's just a, I, I think if you are willing to go along that path of the introspective journey mm -hmm. although i hate that word journey but i think if you process i think is nicer okay. but, um, i think i've lost the point here a little bit but i think encouraging the self-reflection mm -hmm. it is is just as important as being knowing amazing anatomical detail or alignment cues or or the best drills to get you towards a handstand mm -hmm. i think just keep practicing mm -hmm. keep listening and eventually stuff like that will start to come yeah i think but i but i think um when you say listen to your body i think you can pull that a bit closer towards you i'm a bit like you know when joe Rogan's yeah. like pull that sucker closer <laughs> uh yeah so these these and these move we're referring to our microphones uh yes anyway so um when when i when you talk about um listening to your body i know what you mean that those words can't mean much don't mean much to someone who just started yoga yeah. But I think as a teacher, there's a responsibility to educate people on what feelings are. Mm. So, for example, if you're in a, a lizard lunge or a dragon in yin, uh, with the, the front leg that's forward, there's going to be compression in that hip flexor. The other um, hip flexor is going to be tension or opening. And just telling them that this isn't tightness, what we call tightness, and that associates with being a bad thing. This is compression. And that's a good thing because it's like you're getting a massage, but you're massaging yourself as opposed and, and differentiating most importantly every single sensation mm. and then pain yeah. like so so what i've learned from yin is um to say to people any sensation you're feeling is good it's fine it's good to feel a sensation to be in your body especially if you've been at a desk all day the only sensation that's not good is pain yeah. and an advanced yogi is someone who recognizes that can back off and not work through the pain because it only is going to get worse referring to what you were saying about people maybe sitting cross-legged yeah. maybe uh, some people who did that thought the pain was just part of the process you know no pain no gain but as they say in yin no pain no pain so that's, <laughs> that's what josh summers says um but and I, and I think that's so important that people think yoga um I get a lot of CrossFitters coming to my class and they're like, they, they train uh, hot yoga particularly as their stretching day or their rest day. But they don't realize that you can get badly injured in yoga. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. And, that, and I think that's really important for people to know that, especially in hot yoga, because you're being warmed from the outside in. And, um, you know, knees, knees hips is, is a massive one. Um, in terms of um, you mentioned that last year you, you're you're kind of um, you've become more flexible. What what is that through doing more yin or what's that from? I'm not too sure exactly. I think it's just maybe a natural progression yeah. of 
consistent practice over a number of years mm -hmm. eventually the body will start to open yeah um i started to introduce some like mobility stuff which kind of helped um yeah. but i would just i would really would put it down to just consistent mm -hmm. consistent practice yeah which is kind of the key definitely and um I, I was seeing a, a bodywork guy for a while because another one of my issues is that I have a really weird body just naturally I have a my kind of whole rib cage is slightly like displaced and I have this uh, just weird so like slightly twisted torso okay. which kind of leads to a little bit of an imbalance in my pelvis yeah. which is not something I can necessarily fix it's just anatomically I'm just a little bit weird and um, I think I've started to understand a bit that bet that a bit better as well, which has sort of helped. But anyway, seeing a bodywork guy about some of these little things, just finding a little bit more balance. Hmm. And he comes from a yoga background, a martial arts background. Uh, Mark Cleary, really, really great guy. Um, but he was saying that he has seen it happen in his practice and with other people that with consistent practice and as you learn and listen, there will be a moment where the body will just let go of certain things uh, he was telling me a case of a friend of his that had certain knee injuries and so his body had had to protect the knee had had tensed in like hips and hamstrings and all this sort of stuff mm -hmm. and he said that literally one day his body just seemed to let it go and sitting in the cross-legged position his knees just dropped mm -hmm. to to a lower position and he just felt the comfort and he said he broke down into tears wow. that it, it, it just his body had literally just let go Hmm. and I think that's such a huge thing I think that's why yoga is such a beneficial practice is that work with the nervous system as much as with the physical body or to understand that interplay between the nervous system and the physical body hmm. and I think I'm, I'm understanding that a bit more hmm. uh, through breath work through meditation and stuff like that that you can you can let go of a lot of stuff by literally just letting go not by stretching and pulling and twisting yeah. by consciously communicating with your body I think it's a it's a really amazing thing to be able to do yeah. and I think that's where I, but again I put it down to consistent practice uh, name dropping a lot on this podcast I think but it's talking good. to Adam Hustler yes I was at a class of his yeah. in London one time and uh it was funny actually because we were talk it was recently after I'd done the in training and I was talking to him about yin and this listening to your body kind of thing that you get that is encouraged in yin and he has a slightly different approach where he's like oh, listen to your body is good but your mind knows a lot as well uh, and sometimes your mind knows a little bit more than your body necessarily does mm -hmm. or that your mind can guide your body in certain ways mm -hmm. but he said again that, that only comes from consistent practice from taking that time on your mat to to begin that process of listening and mm. um, which yeah I, I, there's no there's no great secret i think just consistently giving yourself that time is the most important thing well i'm glad you said i'm glad you said about the breath work because that's obviously that's something else that you, you know for you is very interested in um before we go into that what was your vim hoff experience like the legend that just we just so many names being dropped all over the shopping <laughs> but i i think to be honest as and just before we enter the wim hof stuff with okay. the, 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 the all the people that were mentioning um to 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 really one of the things i love about yoga as a practice is the ability to learn from so many different people yeah and to to, to be a magpie and to pick up and to see what works best for you and to learn all these different approaches and um, even though it is a very individual practice you can just learn so much from so many different people and yeah. um, I really feel it's like really lucky to have had the chance to to learn from all these people and to pick up all this stuff it's uh, it really is amazing yeah there's so many good teachers out there yeah um, well it's it's uh, funny you say that because Josh Summers <laughs> just <laughs> like, someone is saying how um he's a massive fan of jazz and he was saying there's a jazz player called something terry i forget the name but his saying is imitate 
innovate i think it's three eyes but it's basically imitate innovate um and that's that's a natural process that you if you just copy that's imitation yeah. but if you add your own spin to it and it's, that's a natural evolution so i think that's that's really really important um but um and something actually because i mm. think you you said you've been doing it in classes recently as well which i i think is kind of important as a teacher is to sort of tell people why you're getting them to do things and I think that's something I've picked off of, of the best teachers I've learned from. They've actually told you why they want you to do something rather than just mm -hmm. say, okay, now we're going to do this pose or this movement or this transition. To actually explain mm -hmm. the reasons why. Mm -hmm. And I think it gives people then that opportunity to kind of internalize mm -hmm. and embody what they're practicing mm -hmm. in their own little way. Yeah. Which, uh, so to kind of like, encourage people to not necessarily imitate but to take from what you're trying to teach yeah rather than just this we're in a room practicing together yeah you know what i mean absolutely but and yeah. i think i think that takes well two things one self-practice regular consistent self-practice and two confidence because it takes confidence to stop a class say for the inversion part and go these are your options you can do this this and this these are the different things that i'd advise and blah blah um because you're essentially you're really you're public speaking and you're really like you know you're not you're off script as it were you're not in the flow but the other thing is if you you can only i feel like you can only do this in an authentic way if you regularly practice because i notice when i say things like i was doing this yesterday and what i found is if i turn my hand out slightly that way it allows my shoulder to rotate okay. and then when i'm talking like that which i try and do every day and I'm teaching, I notice people are looking at me, they're way more engaged than just like, mm. and do this, and do that. And <laughs> you know, it's actually, it's more real. Um, and um, if you treat people like the way you'd like to be treated, as in, I'll say, you know, when, if you choose to practice at home, you can add this in instead of doing this, uh, you know, and um, that makes it a, a lot more more real. Um, but yeah, Vim, Vim Hof. Vim Hof, Because I, I love Vim Hof and, if you don't know who Wim Hof is, shame on you. <laughs> um, I think I started with knowing about Wim Hof through watching his Vice, uh, the yeah. Iceman, uh, yeah. Vice Iceman documentary. It's like 45 minutes on YouTube. I highly recommend it. Um, but you actually went away somewhere. Yeah, I, was, I did like a, a weekend with Wim. Okay. <laughs> just doing him. Uh, just a weekend with Wim. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't remember exactly where I first came across him. Um, but I, I had heard of him and then a guy uh, who comes to one of my classes in the studio in Malahide, hmm. he's a uh, Richie, an absolute lunatic, but a very open, yeah, eager to like experience kind of guy. And uh, so he started telling me about Wim Hof that he'd done his training and stuff like that. And he kind of gave me, which I sometimes feel bad about, but I don't think Wim would care. He just gave me his login details for this online course uh, so, and let me do it. Uh, so it was the 10 week course. Mm -hmm. And it was very, very, I don't know if eye opening is the right word, mind opening. Um, it's a very visceral thing, the mm -hmm. Wim Hof method. Um, very kind of just really brings you into your body in a very very intense way yeah. um, uh, and yes yeah, so, so I started I started doing aside with the breath work uh, the cold exposure it was one of the big reasons why I wanted to start to give it a go because I was such a wuss with cold water and it was just something I wanted to get over mm. uh, and so did the, the 10 week course started regular sea swims started regular cold showers and oh, that's part of the course they say that you got to do this so the Wim Hof method yeah, online is thing. yeah. The, well, the Wim Hof method is is broken down into it's three things, three pillars is what he calls it. So it's the breath work, yeah, cold exposure, and mindset. And to be honest, the whole thing just really it, it, again, I don't know the right way to put it, but he just he, even with the mindset stuff, he, he he kind of just has such a very uh, honest and speaks with a lot of integrity but it's 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 very matter of fact stuff and his whole thing or the biggest thing i always took from him Hoff was kind of just <laughs> one of the things that he says that you didn't you didn't arrive here by accident uh you're 
like we are the product of thousands of years of evolution and that to to for for you as a human being to be here at this moment of time humans as our ancestry went through so many things overcame so many obstacles um achieved so much stuff even outside of technology which would be the biggest thing we might think of now but just physically as human beings mentally as human beings for us to get to where we got to and that now we're very disconnected from that mm. now i would be juice is a bit cold in that water i'm not going to get in mm. he's like that's not how you were built yeah. it's like you are genetically designed to be able to do these things you just need to tap back into it um, and that's what he always says he's like i'm not anything special mm. he says i am willing to tap into this stuff i was willing to get into freezing cold water i was you know willing to learn these breathing techniques and to, to like embrace this kind of stuff and that was always just like jumped out at me like yeah like we are so much more capable than we than we give ourselves credit for yeah and the course the Wim Hof the 10 week course is like pretty intense you do some like pretty ridiculous stuff um, oh wow so the, the, the what's the most ridiculous thing <laughs> but you, you get to do stuff like you might do like four or five rounds of the breath work and the breath work is intense and then you will and that is included obviously with the breath retentions and then at the fifth round of the breath work where you're kind of like completely spaced out uh you will hold your breath and try and do as many push-ups as you can and stuff like that without breathing and okay and this kind of like just yeah pushing yourself in these kind of ways but uh but i from that moment i felt like stronger and um, more conscious more more connected through that method uh really was amazing like a, a bit of a, a life changing point mm. and art Macart, one of the amazing male oh. teachers Love that. in dublin <laughs> he'd been away in thailand at the time and he when he came home from thailand he'd been exploring this method as well mm. and con she and another teacher here yeah. he'd, he'd got into it so the three of us had, had been kind of getting into it around the same time did them two went as well yeah, so oh, then, so then well. the three of us went over to, ah. the, to the to the weekend with Wim. Nice. And 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 going over, um, so it was advertised as a weekend with Wim, with another Wim Hof instructor being there as well. So going over, I was like, oh, it's probably going to be, because it wasn't that expensive. It was maybe two hundred and fifty euros, something like that. It was, you know, for for what it was, it was it was, it was pretty cheap. Yeah. So I was like, he's probably going to be there like the first day. He'd be like, oh thanks for coming guys like you know good to see you all here <laughs> see you later but it was literally as it was advertised it was a weekend with him it was yeah. on in his house basically no way. it was like the Wim Hof Center in Stroh Amsterdam or just outside of Amsterdam but it's basically just his house mm -hmm. um, and the weekend was just with him he was just telling us about all his different stories his outlook his uh, his his mindset his yeah just just a weekend with him there was no structure there was no like it was wow. just a long rambling amazing weekend mm. and uh he has his daughter kind of is is he has like four or five kids and they sort of like do a lot of the organization of the 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 whole uh program or whatever i don't know what you want to put it because he is just he they do like the admin yeah he's just raw energy yeah. the only way i can describe him he is just raw truthful energy yes. and then so you can't expect him to stick to like a, a timetable or anything like that and like you know there'd be certain times of the weekend he'd have just talked for about two hours and just you know you'd be like oh yeah okay let's do horse dance for 20 minutes <laughs> uh, <laughs> or someone would ask him a question he would just be not in a rude way but it would just lead him off on this different tangent yeah and his daughter would be there like a whim like Q and A means there has to be an A. Like <laughs> answer the guy's question. You're like, what, what was what was the question again? And uh, but it was just amazing, like really, really amazing. And again, the whole thing that I got from the, from that weekend was just this kind of like communal, tribal almost connection yeah. to the people around us. And I think that's really what he wants to kind of bring us back to is this older, ancient way of being and and existing. Not necessarily like going off and living in the Himalayas, but just to connect to these things that got us to where we were. Mm -hmm. 
where we are. Um, the, the second, first night, second night, I don't remember how long we were there for. But we, we went down and it was something that I found amazing about him. I've been on certain trainings and that there's be a distance between teacher and student. And there was just no distance. He was just walking around, hugging people, mm. patting people on the back. At the end of the first day, like we all had accommodation organized, but he was like, oh, no, if anyone doesn't have accommodation, I just sleep on my couch, like mm. it's no problem. Mm. And he was like, uh, come back in an hour, we're gonna do a little, like just a little kind of get together. And so we came back down, me, Art and Con built a fire. He has this little like fire pit. Mm. It was mostly Art to be fair, me and Con were pretty useless. But uh, so we built a, a fire and everyone kind of stood around the fire and we did these, of like sharing circles and uh like group meditations and stuff and it was really really powerful what were you, sh what were you sharing was that true so, for there <laughs> so he had we would stand in a circle around the fire and he has this like sharing stick and you would just it's just basically a big stick and you pass the stick around and when you have the stick you just you just speak okay. so some people would tell uh, you know something that they went through some people would you would just basically speak mm. but um it was a very just beautiful communal kind of mm. kind of environment. It was it was really really nice. Yeah. And uh, what what was your oh, sorry, bro? I got that. I see what uh, I remember what I spoke. I spoke about um, I spoke about my love for simplicity. That was the thing. Okay. And I and, and how that was what I really connected with with what Wim is trying to get across. Mm. This uh, yeah, like simplicity and and kind of scaling back rather than looking to add on mm. um, was that your main takeaway from the whole weekend would you say my main takeaway from that weekend was that kind of communal communal connection yeah i just found that so powerful yeah and um, and and a lot of people come to the wim hof method from pretty hard times hardships mm -hmm. struggles it's a great healer that method and uh and just seeing people being so open and honest and and but but in a in a kind of it was in a kind of tribal communal way mm -hmm. um it was it, beautiful that weekend really really loved it it's like that that approach to um sharing is it yes it is you are showing vulnerability but you're also showing i mean real strength isn't it yeah. you know um and you're getting instant feedback from people who, who can comfort you and say oh i understand what you mean i think I, I think there's a massive issue um, at the moment in society, uh, I can only refer to the society I live in, but of people living more individu individualistic lifestyles, mm. living uh, living on their own or um, commuting on their own and just, just because we don't need each other as much so we, through technology. And I think that's having really detrimental effects. I mean, I've been, I remember years ago, I was telling someone about this the other day, I actually um, looked at buying a house in I think it's in Limbrick and it's a, 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 a town it's completely self-sufficient it's an eco town because I felt like the way my life was going and pretty much has gone apart from really yoga uh, is it's uh, you, there's a loss of community I mean I don't know my neighbors around here I, I know them just to say hello to but I know nothing about them um, I do know a lot of people through social media and that's really and I'm I love social media um, but there's something about that simple simple situation of being around a fire together and um, and sharing like that that we don't do enough of and um, uh, I think it's really really powerful mm -hmm. in terms of because I mean with, with the Wim Hof the Wim Hof method it's it's I mean uh, from a superficial level it's about breathing on a superficial level so what what would you say is the not the relevance but why is breathing important in yoga? Say when you teach a workshop, what do you say? Because I've been to your workshops, or not, I've been to your breathing classes. If I was to say, you stop the average person on the street and say, do you want to come along to this class where you sit down and breathe? They, they would think it's peculiar. Yeah. So what, what do you say is like the, why, why is it important? Well, it is, it's, it's possibly the most like important physiological function in our body, a breathing. So involuntary breathing obviously to stay alive, but why is conscious breathing important do you think? Well, so the the, the kind of the 
there's there's two aspects to breath work as a as as I say a therapy and an approach to well being. Mm-hmm. The first one is that maybe the breathing mechanism is broken, that you're breathing poorly, which affects everything from psychology to health to digestion to everything. If you're not breathing properly, your body's just not going to function properly because it's it because it is such an important function not just to keep us alive it's just it's an underlying we can very easily relate to breathing as just air coming in and out but it's a full body process mm-hmm. breathing if you're doing it properly um the second aspect of it is to breathe for uh, a specific reason and so in breath work specifically uh, as 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 aside from uh, yoga um in breathwork there's the belief that your your breathing kind of underlies everything so for every emotion every feeling every uh energy there's a reciprocal breathing pattern so the simplest one to kind of like understand is that if you will breathe into your chest or breathe into your shoulders if you breathe high in the body that is a sympathetic way of breathing you're breathing with the secondary muscles of respiration which are really only designed to be used if you have to like fucking sprint away from a tiger if you like have to react mm-hmm. um, but if you breathe there habitually you're gonna always be in this sort of like fight or flight mode mm-hmm. and that if you can't change that breathing pattern it can be very hard to it can be very hard for someone to meditate if they can't breathe properly. Mm-hmm. It can be very hard for someone to feel relaxed after a yoga class or feel relaxed in a yoga class if they're not breathing properly. Mm-hmm. Um, so to understand the relationship between your breathing mm-hmm. and everything else is is like really, really, really important. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I think most of us don't pay attention to our breathing. Mm-hmm. and with the world that we live in which is not like the most amazing thing for our nervous systems like full stop yeah. that if we're not conscious of these things it can just kind of get away from us mm-hmm. and so that's when, when I teach breath work or even I try to teach quite breath focused classes mm-hmm. the my purpose or my intention or my hope anyways is just to begin to build like a kind of a deeper relationship with your breathing mm-hmm. Uh, understand the connection to it understand how it links to your physical sensations mm-hmm. understand how it links to your physical way of holding yourself yeah understand how it relates to your mental state how it relates to your reactions and it's <laughs> Dan Brule who is like one of the most amazing breathwork practitioners coaches and um, so he says that there's so much of our body that we that is so much of our body which is important to keeping us alive we can't control like we can't really control our heartbeat we can't really control the, how we digest our food you know we can impact these things with how we what we feed ourselves and stuff like that but we can't kind of consciously be like okay we're going to physically do this but um and your breathing will happen you don't have to think about your breathing but you can consciously think and change your breathing Mm -hmm. and he says that isn't like an accident it's an invitation it's it's an invitation to pay more attention Mm -hmm. to to draw inwards that little bit more Mm -hmm. and i think it is this incredible key door or like gateway into again like a deeper listening Mm -hmm. uh, a more understanding of what's going on Mm -hmm. which i think is like so important yeah and it's sometimes the simple things get forgotten about but simple things are a key yeah. simplicity is always the key <laughs> um, yeah. there's there's um, I was talking to my sister recently and she does yoga quite regularly but she said that she finds in a vinyasa class the standard public vinyasa class although vinyasa is supposed to mean um, you know movement with breath sometimes the teacher won't necessarily cue that or you get so caught up in making certain shapes that you don't really lead with your breath so she was talking about how um maybe starting qigong is it qigong and um how that is more focused on 
uh, on, on breathing with movement. Um, but the Qigong is, am I saying it correctly, Qigong? I think so. Yeah, we know what we're talking oh, about. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is, um, I, I first heard of that by listening to Mac Strom on A Life Worth Breathing. Yeah. Um, have you ever heard of that yeah. book? Yeah. He's awesome. Oh my God, he's so good. Um, but he talks about, is it he had to, I mean, a lot of the book is about breathing. And he talks about how even in, say, uh, in Hawaii, um, for example, aloha means the breath of God. So pe- that's how people greet each other or uh, originally yeah. saying like the breath of God yeah. instead of hello. Um, and um, I, I think we've become, as you said, your breath affects your emotions. Yeah, it, it affects how you feel uh, and we don't pay any attention to it. But when you first go to a class, I remember when I first started going to yoga, teacher saying breathe, breathe. I'm thinking I am breathing, but I'm not breathing consciously yeah. and, and uh, understanding how it affects my body. Um, I think that's that's yeah that's massively important. There's, it's something which I try to focus on a little bit more as well. Is that sometimes with yoga, if this is kind of a common misconception that a bigger breath is a better breath, um, and that like if you kind of just say oh like because I've noticed it sometimes as well. If I say okay, take a slow breath in, people will kind of instantly just kind of go. And like and and so to actually kind of encourage you to breathe a tiny bit less and a tiny bit more gently mm. is actually more beneficial. Mm. Um, so it's it's sort of a tricky tricky thing I think to 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 try and incorporate into a class to include all these different things. But if you can sort of teach breath with the movements that you're making mm-hmm. is kind of important rather than just to sort of like okay and breathe or you know stuff like that that Mm -hmm. if you what i try to do is in certain poses to encourage you to breathe into certain parts of the body so like breathe slowly down into the ribs or in a forward fold to breathe into the back of your body and stuff like this which kind of opens up a whole new aspect to your breathing Mm -hmm. rather than just and breathe yeah and exhale this or inhale there or whatever um but I mean, there's different different focuses as well. I think in a, an approach that isn't focused on breath work isn't necessarily awful as well. It's, but it's but I th- but I think though having a separate class where it's just breath work is so valuable because people yeah. can move away from the aesthetic, yeah. and they can focus on. I mean, they are training. They're mm. doing a different practice training, but it's just with their breathing. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, the breathwork classes have been a really nice thing to start teaching because mm. I think people are more open to it than you would possibly think. Yeah. Um, same with the, the mindfulness classes and stuff like that. And I think these aspects of a yoga practice which can get lost in the studio system mm-hmm. if they're not encouraged. Mm-hmm. Um, and same thing, like people, I know so many people who before even starting yoga would never have paid attention to their breathing. Yeah. They would never have understood the benefits of deeper breathing or anything like that. So, it's a, it's a beautiful thing to to have see people begin to open up into, mm. and explore because. For me personally now, anyways, if I obviously would never have to, but if I was if I had to choose between the physical practice and the breathwork practice, I would choose the breathwork practice every time, mm-hmm. um, because I think. And when you understand breathing as this kind of full body process, mm. you can feel looser after a breathwork session than you can feel after an intense stretching session. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, there's a, there's a every person, every you know, there's a wide variant. Some people need to open up their body to be able to breathe a bit better. Mm-hmm. Some people need to breathe a bit better to be able to open up their body. Mm. You know, there's no one size at all mm-hmm. approach. But um. But 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 breathwork is such a beautiful practice to include mm. and to focus on. How do you see this, like in terms of your, because you teach, obviously vinyasa classes, you teach restorative as well, right? Mm. You teach breathwork classes, you teach on the teacher training at the yoga hub. What's the the next thing for you? Are you gonna expand? Because you have that on Facebook, the breathing club. Are you looking to like? <laughs> are you looking to expand the 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 breathing movement or what's kind of next for you in terms of your evolution well i think i think 
yeah breath focused stuff is definitely my my main interest mm. um even teaching vinyasa classes or, or flow classes I'm, i always try to make it all underpinned by by the by breath work and by breathing um but i don't like to think too far ahead at the same time i'm not too <laughs> sure where where it would go but but it would definitely be yeah I, th- I just think it's so important and i think it's a kind of a natural evolution as well i mm. think you know a lot of people like myself would would have purely been focused on stretching to begin with and and like you're saying this breathe like, but i am breathing or not really understanding that kind of concept but i think the more you develop and the more you open up and the more your practice changes you just i don't think you can look past breathing or breath work mm-hmm. because it is everything like it. it's it's so important mm. and i think even people who maybe won't teach breath work or won't or won't you know overly promote the the focus on breathing mm-hmm. even the people with high level practices in any physical dif- discipline will understand that connection with your breathing and your mm-hmm. physical practice whatever it is mm. um so yeah in terms of like moving forward it would definitely be i would love to teach more breathwork classes um i think it always will be kind of my focus from going forward what about ret- uh, retreats like um, i mean essentially doing like similar to what we've yeah. did campfire yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. or something i'm actually doing a retreat in september you, you, in, you're hosting a retreat in spain nice yeah, one yeah, yeah. is that and your first one yeah and Good it man. would be a, a breath breath focus retreat. yes cool. yeah, this september this september yeah exciting 15th something like that yourself and uh, no so it's a, a company got in touch with me oh man uh, they they host retreats yeah. And uh, they they asked me would I be interested in doing one. So hey man, yeah, it's gonna be pretty cool. Yeah, over to Cadiz in Spain, and so it's nice. It's gonna be like a it's a yoga, it's a yoga retreat, but yeah. the focus will be on on pranayama and breath work and and stuff like that. So it's, yeah, it's gonna be pretty sweet. Yeah, looking forward to. Awesome <laughs> man. Yeah, I think I think that's that's massive. Like, um, an ex- excuse to get people together you know and, and get in touch with themselves and, and yeah. each other um there's actually a chap on instagram called jody kennedy i think jody kennedy i'll shout out um he does like these rewilding yeah thing you, yes you know him i know jody jody's yeah. um he's he's friends with my older sister okay yeah, i know jody well. <laughs> his brother's um his brother does um 10th planet jiu-jitsu yeah um he's he's he, he does a lot of jiu-jitsu as well doesn't he I think so, yeah. He does all the movement stuff. But like rewilding men, you know, and so it's like men carrying rocks up mountains and stuff and doing, and and he does, they're wrestling, grappling each other and stuff. And I think that is, um, it's just so, so interesting to see that movement towards um, going back, kind of going back to simplicity. I think it's important. Yeah, and I think it's kind of natural. Like there's, and there's even stuff like, I don't know what they call themselves, I think it's like Girls Gone Wild. Seen those guys? They could oh, yeah, yeah, they yeah. go out on like hikes. Yes, and stuff like that. Barry, yeah. 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 And um might, yeah. I think there will be kind of like a natural progression or mm-hmm. regression back <laughs> towards that kind of stuff because it's so important. Yeah. Um it is how we got to where we are as human beings. Yeah. Being able to interact and communicate and the sense of the community or the tribe, which mm-hmm. um it's kind of ingrained in us. Mm-hmm. It's nice and and Breathwork is a really nice thing to kind of, uh, again, Dan Brule, he says that, so like plants and trees, that they have this like physical connection yeah. with the earth. Mm-hmm. And so they don't really lose their connection. They stay, you know, as a part of nature, whereas we don't really have that connection. And so for us, it's kind of easier to get disconnected and mm-hmm. lost. And, but that your breath is actually that connection. Um, like your breath is what kind of like makes you or your connection to this sea of energy mm-hmm. um, and even what they say in, in yoga that, that pranayama is the bridge to the universe mm-hmm. the the kind of ultimate one of existence and I think it's, it's, it's a, it can be a beautiful thing like sometimes in the breathwork classes you've been to when you have a room of people just breathing together in these ways it's uh, yeah, it's really powerful like it's really it's really amazing mm. Yes, yeah. um, 
All right, man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. So um, I suppose I'll sign off by saying thanks so much. Thank you for having me. And um, check out Brian's retreat in September. Is it available to book online? I think I'm so, so bad with stuff like this. Yeah, like, but um, where would they look? Yeah, uh, so I think it's like Alamo Retreats is the name of the company. Um, but I will have stuff up on like Facebook and Instagram in the like coming yeah. weeks probably. It's actually not that far away. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm kind of useless when it comes to like promotion and organization. <laughs> I kind of... Yeah, but it will happen organically. Yeah, it'll just happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good day, good day. I'll see you. <laughs> um, okay, cool, man. Awesome. Awesome. Let's go. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please, as always, leave me a review on iTunes. I'd really appreciate it, particularly if it was five stars. Uh, if you have anyone that you would like to hear as a guest on the podcast, also let me know. And um, I'd be delighted if you would share it with your friends, family and loved ones. All right, have a great week. Bye.